Ever since President Trump's inauguration, activism in the United States has skyrocketed. The day after, millions took to the streets all over the world to participate in the Women's March, and this past weekend, people flooded airports to protest the president's travel ban on immigrants and refugees from seven Muslim-majority countries. While some have chosen to organize letter-writing parties to contact representatives, others are volunteering their time to vulnerable communities. For this week's Please Explain segment, we're talking about social activism and ways you might choose to participate. I'm joined now by Ami Dar, founder and executive director of Idealist, and Alex Kautz, the chief product officer at Countable. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And if this is something that you, our listeners, would like to know more about or have suggestions for others, we invite you to call us at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Alex, what is Countable and why, why and when was it created yeah, absolutely. Pleasure for be, pleasure to be here, by the way. So Countable is a, a series of applications, both on mobile and iOS. So iOS being uh, iPhone and Android, as well as web, that allows you to learn about what your government is doing by viewing unbiased summaries of legislation and explainers of complex news events, and then gives you the ability to take action directly through the platform and reach out to your elected representatives at either the local, state, or federal level and tell them how you feel about the things that are happening. So it's both an app and a website. And it works to educate people and make it easy for them to connect to their representatives, also understand what's going on? Yeah, exactly. So the reason Countable was founded was we realized that the U.S. government is one of the most important and large organizations of any kind in the history of humanity, both from an amount of money and budget perspective, employees, reach and impact. What we found is that that organization never really learned how to interface with its core customers, its users. Democracy is very good at engendering a conversation, but it's not very good at the mechanics of how to make that happen. So Countable was designed almost as a user experience challenge. So if we were running uh, the government as a digital product as we do here in Silicon Valley, what would it look like? And Countable was the answer to try and figure that out. And you focus on federal issues and then issues in New York City and San Francisco. Uh, do you plan on expanding? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's, it's interesting, after the election happened, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, kind of our brand and our entire industry took on a whole new meaning. So we're looking at dramatically expanding the scope of the service that we relay to our customers across everything. But but yeah, users on our site, they're, they're very heavily focused on federal legislation. We also do, like you mentioned, kind of state and city level things for New York and San Francisco. But then we also have a network of partners and advocacy organizations throughout the country who focus on specific issues in specific areas, who use countable tools to facilitate communication between constituents and their elected reps. So we I, cover the whole spectrum. I was interested in noting that a former NPR host, Andrea Seabrook, is your managing editor. That's right. Andrea just joined us, uh, and we're absolutely thrilled to have her. I mean, what are the different tools one has access to on Idealist? So Idealist.org is a website that connects organizations, nonprofits all over the world, 120,000 of them, with people who want to work with them, volunteer for them, or intern with them. And so about a million people come in every month looking for volunteering or, uh, or work, and we match them, or the site matches them, with nonprofits based on interest, location, uh, Etc. And you're a nonprofit, a five hundred one c three. We're a five hundred one c three. 
uh, and you you uh, created this organization in 1995. A long time ago, I think. What both happened you in 1995? Had, you and I had black hair then. <laughs> yeah, um, I did. That's, that's what happened. I even um, had hair in those days. In 95, what happened in 95 is that the, the, the web, I think, was essentially invented in 92, 93. 95 was the year in which you could use a website for the first time to look something up. So it was a year in which Yahoo was launched, Craigslist was launched, eBay was launched. This was all 95. And so earlier, for the previous 10 years, I had, been, I had become obsessed with this idea of how do you bridge the gap that exists everywhere between people's good intentions and the action that we actually take. We all want to do things, and yet for all kinds of reasons, we don't act. And so when I saw the web for the first time, I felt, oh, my God, this tool could help at least take people one step further. And it uh, allows you to uh, list opportunities throughout the United States. For the United States, throughout the world, in Spanish, in French, in English. How many organizations post opportunities on Idealist? 120,000 at this point. And how many visitors do you get daily? Or About 100,000 every day. Alex, uh, GQ referred to Countable as Tinder for unsexy congressional bills. <laughs> do you agree that Countable is similar to a <laughs> dating app? Well, I have to be honest. I'm a frequent user of Countable, and I cannot say with any assurance that I've met dates on Countable. <laughs> but I'm going to keep trying just in case. Um yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good that's a good um, characterization in the sense that you can kind of quickly find a lot of different issues, kind of going through a feed of of updated things and figure out things that you care about, and then also kind of curate your experience based on that. So, uh, we also have user profiles, so you can kind of put a little bit of information about who you are and the things that you're interested in. So, when you make a comment on a bill or a news article, people can kind of see who they're talking to. Uh, so, in that sense, for sure. Sam, want to create a profile on Countable? Is it free? Because you're not, unlike idealists, you're not a nonprofit or a 501c3. That's correct, yeah. So the, the consumer application that everyone will see if they go into the iOS store today or the Android market or our website, countable.us, uh, is completely free and will always be free. We don't charge for anything inside that application because we did it for a mission. We did it for a purpose. We've been able to kind of take the functionality of Countable and then sell it to elected representatives, or sorry, to um, advocacy organizations and nonprofits, similar to the ones that uh, your other guest kind of probably has on their site, which allow them to put a little box on their site that tells their visitors who their elected representatives <clears throat> are, then they can reach out directly to them through it. So that's how we make money, but it'll never be through the app itself. I'm speaking with Alex Kautz, Chief Product Officer at Countable, and Ami Dar, Founder and Executive Director of Idealist. For today's Please Explain, this is WMIC, WMIC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate. Alex, the blaze notes that Countable could be your congressman's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something that we deal with quite a bit, actually. So, you know, we have, since we've gotten started, have sent uh, roughly 5 million or so messages to Congress, which is a ton of messages um, back from 2014 till today. And since the election, we've onboarded hundreds of thousands of new users, at this point over 300,000 since Trump was, since Trump took office. And we've sent about 1.5 to 2 million messages to Capitol Hill. That's a lot of, that's a lot of content. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's our job to make it easier for people to reach out to their reps and make it possible for their reps to kind of see and understand their message. So there's a lot of work that we do to make sure that the message is legible and, and helpful for them. But the messages that they're getting from Countable are significantly different than a lot of other sources of companies sending them messages. They're written by their electorate in their own voice, 
And in many cases, aren't just written messages. We actually allow users to send video messages, which is really cool for elected reps because there's no other app that does that. So we have folks all around the country recording video messages to themselves, talking about how they feel about an issue, which is an incredibly loud way to contact your elected representative, much more so than messages. And this is nonpartisan. <clears throat> People can do this for any uh, side of, a, of an, uh, an issue? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we take nonpartisanship very seriously accountable. And one of the ways that we know we're doing well is we have people on both sides of the spectrum telling us that we're way off the mark, uh, which tends to be good. We have folks on the far right saying we're way too left, folks on the left saying we're way too right. And we try and be right in the middle. We have very rigorous editorial standards for the summaries of legislation that we write. Uh, and then it checks and balances the system where users actually provide feedback to us on areas that they feel are good or bad. Uh, but we have an absolutely fantastic editorial team kind of distributed throughout the U.S. that writes these, in addition to Andrea, uh, who we were happy to uh, poach from NPR. Ami, uh, can, uh, can you, if I want to be a, 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 if I want to find a volunteer opportunity, uh, can you walk me through the steps on Idealist? Sure. So you go to idealist.org. Um, in this case, because we're in New York, you would select uh, your city as New York or a metro area. Uh, at any given point, so for example, today we have about 1,300 uh, open opportunities right now, and you can then select a keyword, something that interests you. Like homelessness. Uh, like homelessness, education, immigrants. poverty, children, immigrant, refugees in New York, and then you will get those results, and then you simply um, read more about this and contact the organization based on their instructions. They might tell you what to do uh, from there. Well, often when people think of volunteer work, they think of helping at a soup kitchen or tutoring children. But aren't there many kinds of volunteer needs? There is everything. There's everything from one time, you know, sort of going and helping someone uh, do something, teach someone something, all the way to, yes, ongoing uh, activities of various kinds. But essentially, uh, there is something for everyone, pretty much. We invite our listeners to join the conversation uh, whatever your interest. We're also curious to find out uh, the feelings of immigrants or refugees. Have you turned to any organizations for help? And what do you need right now? How do you feel that people can help? Give us a call at 212-433-9692 or write to us on our show page at wnyc.org. And let's take a, a couple of those calls. Geraldine, uh you're on the air. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Go ahead. What, what do you want I'm, to talk I'm about? I'm representing a group called Indivisible. Uh, Indivisible started with a group of congressional staffers who, out, who created a, a guide or a handbook as to what they were seeing that really worked that drove change. And, of course, they took uh, pages out of the Tea Party handbook. It went viral, it cre and, and now it's a national organization. Our goal is to stimulate civic action on a grassroots local level. We feel like it's really important to build a wall of resistance by developing rapid response teams that act effectively, because it's important right now not to get lost in pet issues. Um, You're talking about a metaphorical wall, not a wall along the border <laughs> with Mexico. You know, that's a really important distinction right now, isn't it, Leonard? So um, I would like to ask people to please go, if you're, if you're interested, you know, I, I was feeling so overwhelmed by all the emails that I was getting every day saying, do this call here, uh, go there. Indivisible is working with um, a number of inter uh, national organizations like the ACLU and National Families. What they're doing as, um, across organizations is prioritizing what actions need to be taken by what day. 
on what days. So please, please, please go on indivisibleguide.com, sign up on the home page to receive these email alerts. Okay. We are playing defense right now, and we need these tactics that work every single day. Thank you for calling us, Geraldine. Uh, and uh, let me throw uh, out this question to my guests, Ami and Alex. Are you hearing about organizations like Indivisible? Are there a lot of them? Sure. I think what you're seeing since the election, which I think is, is pretty clear, is that um, there's a very strong response from the civic sector. So whether it's Planned Parenthood, ACLU, uh, Move On, and then new entrants like Indivisible, uh, that was really, really, a really interesting initiative, as she said, of, of um, past congressional staffers. I think there's a tremendous, I think, sense of ferment right now. My sense right now is that anyone in the country who has ever cared about anything is very much awake right now. And the level of attention has never been higher. Alex, you want to add to that, or should I go to the next call? Yeah, actually. So I, I just met a friend yesterday who's part of Indivisible, so I think that's great, and I applaud the type of stuff they're doing as far as getting folks civically engaged. You know, I, I mentioned this before, but when Trump took office, our brand as Countable took on a whole new meaning. Because as you know, people are on both sides of the spectrum, they feel absolutely uh, polarized by this issue. They're either huge fans or against. There's not a lot of feelings in between, and there's an entire generation of people being raised with this news cycle and learning about this is our new political reality and getting involved in ways they never have before. And I'll tell you that as someone who struggled to get people more civically engaged, this is my third political tech startup now over years and years and years, that what's happening now is truly transformational. People are looking at politics in a different way, and they feel a higher degree of responsibility. That's a beautiful thing. It's not just for young people. Older people also are finding this a new political reality. Oh, yes. yep. David from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Hey, <clears throat> thanks very much. Uh, so uh, our web project is called uh, New York City Councilmatic, and it launched a year ago at nyc.councilmatic.org. And it's a nonprofit project, and it's free of charge for everyone. So after the November election, as we've been discussing, um, we've seen an increase in calls for people to get involved in city and local government, because the local level is where civic engagement can have, really have an impact in our communities. But one problem is that until now, it hasn't been really easy to keep track of what's really happening in the city council legislative process. That's because there are tons of bills, and there are over 35 committees, and uh, even some of the more politically engaged people might not know who their New York City Council member is by name. So we built Councilmatic to demystify the New York City Council, to help people track the local issues they care about, and to contact their city council offices all in an open public forum. So the first thing we built was the uh, nyc.councilmatic.org website, uh, which is user-friendly, and you can learn how a bill becomes a law and look up your city council members by, uh, by street address and then contact them and learn how to uh, engage with your district's community liaison and connect with other residents who have sort of similar issues in your neighborhood. Uh, but we just released a big step forward, uh, which no other website offers, and it's free email alerts for everything that's happening in the New York City Council. Um, and the way that it works is that you sign up for a free account with your email address, and then you can create a personal profile where you can track everything in the council from your council members' actions to a specific bill of interest or to what's going to be on a committee's agendas or even sort of search terms like uh, Harlem Affordable Housing or Crown Heights Community Policing. And they all arrive in a daily digest in your morning email. Now, it's interesting that uh, we're getting all these calls from people who are starting other organizations. So do you think that the uh, this election has opened the floodgates, or is this something that's been in the works for a while, Ami? I think two things are going on. I think that the organizations that have been there for a while, such as ACLU, what we can call the big brands, 
they are definitely doing everything they can and people go to them because that's normal. I think that new players are definitely coming in. I think anyone who has ever had an idea uh, is feeling, oh my God, I can't wait till March. I should do this now. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I think the ferment is huge and I think it's, it's by and large welcome. Alex, you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think he's 100% right. I mean, the, the fact that people are calling up your show and pitching their wonderful ideas for civic engagement is just such a, a beautiful and validating thing for a lot of us who've been in the space for a while. I'll tell you, I mean, I live in San Francisco, which is a highly progressive city. I think most people would agree with that that take on things. And I'll never forget the day of the election, uh, as kind of the results have been rolling in all night, I, was, I took a long walk around the city decompressing from all the things that we'd done for Countable around the election. And I walked about eight miles, and I saw people crying their eyes out on the street. I'd never seen a reaction like that in politics ever in my life. And, I, and there are reactions on the other side of the fence that are equally as strong. That level of volatility, that political level of volatility just has not existed. So, of course, people look at it and they say, now is the time. Now is an opportunity to do it. And they're right. And we're seeing that reflected in the performance of Countable with our massive, just huge spikes in traffic that are sustained. And we hope that people continue to be engaged. We have to take a little break, and we'll come back more with more from Alex Kautz, Chief Product Officer at Countable, and Ami Dar, Founder and Executive Director of Idealist. Our number here, 212-433-9692. And we are back with Ami Dar, Founder and Executive Director of Idealist, and Alex Kautz, <coughs> the chief product officer at Countable. Alex, if someone wants to understand a bill going through Congress, why use Countable instead of, say, Wikipedia? Yeah, uh, Wikipedia doesn't typically give you very fast updates on bills. Uh, we're reacting to the legislative cycle in a much more uh, fluid and kind of instantaneous manner. But I would recommend that you check out all sources. Countable is a very convenient way to get push notifications, meaning a little notification at the top of your phone letting you know that something has just come up. Uh, or there's a development or vote that's about to happen on a bill, which is something that Wikipedia and other places can't give you. And we also do a lot of, a lot of optimization to make sure that the content that we give people is easy and understandable, whereas Wikipedia is kind of a good public resource. We, so I recommend using a lot. We noticed a uh, New York City Council bill that's on Countable right now. The headline reads, Should Police Officers Have Harsher Punishments for Using Excessive Force? So if someone wants to learn about the bill regarding excessive police force in New York City, what will they see on that page? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's the same at the local as it would be at the federal level. But when they click through, uh, effectively what they'll see is a quick synopsis of what the bill is at the top of the page, kind of a what is it section. We'll also talk about the impact of the bill, meaning the people or groups that would be impacted by it, also the governmental organizations that would have to deal with it, which helps people understand the larger context in which the bill operates. We typically give estimates of cost, especially at the federal level, if that data is available, so we can help people understand the budgetary implications of a large bill. We also have general kind of um, deep dives into specific elements of the bill that tend to be confusing. We also have links to the actual bill text. If, God forbid, you have an extra eight hours of your time and you really don't enjoy fun things and you want to read that, we also make that available as well. Let's take another call. This one's from Megan from South Orange, New Jersey. Hi, Megan. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Okay. Well, I know Megan wanted to talk about uh, volunteering for refugees, uh, but um, I guess, uh, well, I'll ask you, Ami, if someone uh, dedicates time to volunteering, what's the most effective way to help? Yeah. So I think the most important thing to do right now is to go to a place like Idealist, 
um, enter uh, New York and uh, refugees. And then you can do two things. You can see what is there now and, and who you can help and how you can help. Or you can sign up for free daily emails where the next time someone needs help, they'll come to your inbox. and It'll say, you know, given the fact that you speak uh, uh, Spanish and you live in New Jersey um, and you would like to volunteer on Fridays, here are the opportunities available to you daily for free in your inbox. So that's a really important thing. The fact that you come once and you don't find it, you can just leave us your information and we'll email you every time something comes up for you. Let's go back uh, to Megan. I understand she is with us now. Hi, Megan. Hello, Megan. Okay. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. Are we having a problem here, Megan? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. <laughs> okay. My staff is going to have to talk to you about how to talk <laughs> on the air. I know you have something very interesting to say to us, but... Um, <laughs> I'd love to hear it sometime. Uh, what are some examples of volunteer opportunities that are good for children? Oh, for children. So the children thing is really interesting because the children, the way that, that many nonprofits think about children is that you need to come up with opportunities that don't require an adult, don't require money, and don't require driving. And so it gets a little bit um, iffy. There's an organization that we uh, like a lot. They're friends of ours. They're called dosomething.org. And they specialize in opportunities for kids and teens. So if you have a child or if you are a child, uh, head over to dosomething.org, and you will find a whole bunch of uh, great stuff there as well. Most people aren't uh, opposed to volunteering, but they just don't think that they have the time, especially in a city like New York. What is your response to that? And I'm addressing this to both of you. So the time issue is really interesting. I think that most of us have more time than we think. Uh, You know, one of the interesting things about time is that when a friend tells you that they went on an amazing, amazing first date, no one ever tells you they didn't have time for the second date. People find time. That's one thing. And second is that there's so many ways of helping that require very little time. You could have in your email signature uh, a line that supports your favorite nonprofit, and everyone will see it. You could go running in the park and wear a T-shirt with your favorite nonprofit. So there are many ways to do it. It doesn't have to involve time directly. And so uh, social media are an important way of getting out your message? Social media can help you get out your message. Social media can also help you find uh, things to do and people to connect with. And Alex, how have, has social media shaped how accountable functions? Yeah. So kind of referencing your early question about one of the things that makes Countable unique is in addition to getting all these great summaries of legislation and bills and, and kind of news events, you can also take action directly through the platform. You can reach out to your elected representatives we mentioned before and send them messages. And one of the things that we have as part of that flow is the ability for people to share the message that they sent to their elected representatives, should they choose, uh, out to their social network and recruit other folks. And what we've seen, and there's kind of a, a concept called the viral loop that Facebook pioneered that talks about people inviting their friends to take an action and their friends actually clicking back through and taking that action. We find a lot of people do that on Countable. So mm-hmm. not only are they sending messages and doing something and getting civically engaged, but they're telling their friends and recruiting them. So it's a better recruiting system than Countable could ever afford uh, as kind of a small company here in the Bay Area. You have many people involved who are labeled as advisors, and that includes some former politicians, although you're nonpartisan. So what role do the advisors play? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. So uh, we, we have advisors and you know political representatives on both sides of the aisle. And what we typically do is kind of smoke test with smoke test ideas of kind of products, ideas with them, and in addition to marketing campaigns. But the big thing is, you know, Countable was founded in Silicon Valley by kind of tech entrepreneurs and tech people like myself. Uh, we're not from the political class. We're not from inside the beltway. And in order to operate in that ecosystem, we needed kind of steady hands of people who, you know, really believed in this non uh, partisan, pluralistic kind of view of American politics and believed in the power of technology to materially affect that. So everyone you'll see on our board kind of believes that mission and helps us understand how to operate inside the beltway. Ami, does everyone assume when they look at you, what you're doing, that you're liberals? Uh, that's interesting. So we're called idealists. We're based in New York. Uh, I sometimes tell people that we grabbed idealists because cynic was, was already taken. But no, so people, people see idealists. They see New York. And so I think for some people that means something, I think we do our best to be open to anyone um, that wants to treat others with respect and generosity. That, that's, that's sort of our litmus test. And if you do that, then we're happy to have you. Let's take another call. Eileen from Brooklyn. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, thank you for having this discussion today. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm always assuming that the very best way to affect change is to show up physically and speak at that city council meeting or to show up physically on the site of the egregious actions, such as um, the protesters did at Standing Rock, to actually be there where things are happening to make things stop happening. Um, but I wonder, of, of the other ways we act, statistically, which is really the most effective? So we could call our senators, you know, call our Congress people, or email our Congress people, or we can um, piggyback on various um, uh, petitions, you know, that we get um, on our emails. Or I have a friend that, that just tweets all day long about, about these issues. Do we know statistically of these methods what is the most effective for making change? And whether the, the people who are receiving them actually are affected by them. Ami? Yeah, there seems to be an inverse ratio between the difficulty of the effort of the act and how seriously it's taken by the representatives. So the most difficult thing to do, the most committed thing to do, as you said, is to show up. Uh, secondly, that probably is to produce and send them a video, as Alex was saying, then a phone call, then a handwritten letter that was clearly not part of a mass mailing, then an email, then a fax, etc. And so the, the, the more effort you put into it, in fact, the more seriously they take it. But don't do politicians just discount the things they don't want to pay much attention to? Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado is claiming that the deluge of phone calls, letters, and emails his office has received are being sent by paid activists. They will claim that, which is why uh, they will all claim that, which is why making your offering distinct, you know, a handwritten letter, uh, a phone call, showing up, they can't ignore that especially if you're a district, and especially if you're their voter, uh, then they certainly can't ignore you. Let's take another call. Jen from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Hi there. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to let people know about um, another aspect that's being um, put together right now. We're organizing a March for Science. This is something that started up uh, maybe about two weeks ago after the Women's March, and um, different locations around the country as well as around the world are starting to organize marches for science. Uh, I, it seems to me that pretty much every group that feels threatened right now is organizing a march. Uh, 
Do you think that uh, the a deluge of marches is going to uh, have much of an impact on the people in Washington? It's a really interesting question. You know, when we talk a little about internally inside the company as to whether or not we think we're going to see ha- or see people having protest fatigue, uh, and it's it's a really interesting question. I don't know. I think we're about to enter a period of political volatility that's unlike anything that we've seen in a generation, and it's tough to know how Americans are actually going to be dealing with that. I will tell you that what we can see from the digital side of things is an increased level of activism, and it's not just point activism, meaning it's happening for one specific issue. We see organizations changing their strategy and organizing around a sustained level of of interaction between them and their followers that... I haven't seen uh, in my entire career in kind of political technology. So I think this is going to keep going. You wanted to add to that, Ami? Yeah, I think I think it's going to keep going. I think the one, I don't know, the one cautionary note I have for myself is that I'm exactly old enough to remember uh, 1968 to 72. I was seven years old, but I remember. And from 68 to 72, this country had a constant set of protests. Uh, and then in 72, Nixon won in a landslide. And I think that, that by protesting constantly, one can fool oneself into thinking that one is winning. Uh, but it takes 65 million people to win, not three. And so the same three million can be protesting. It doesn't mean you win. But don't forget that those protests were against Lyndon Johnson's policies. And Nixon promised to end the war. The fact that he didn't was led to more protests down the line. Right. Becca from New Jersey wanted to squeeze you in here because you have an important question. Hi, yes. I wanted to talk or ask you guys to talk about um, people who live outside of the metropolitan areas like New York. They live at the end of a train line. And I used to live in Chicago. I was involved with refugees. And I found, like, in the three years I've been here, it's really hard to get involved in organizations that are in metropolitan areas. And there's nothing really to do out here. And I know there's a lot of resources like out where I am that refugees can use, but people really struggle with being um, considered a resource. Uh, uh-huh. So it, it is a lot easier when you're in a big city and you have a lot easier. of networking. I think the solution in this case is, is technology. You know, it, it's, it's uh, basically the fact that you can, you can help virtually now. There are people who you can help on the phone. You can help on hotlines. Uh, for example, there's a wonderful organization now, another friend runs, called Crisis Text Line. And this idea is it's a hotline uh, that is done via text. And so you can volunteer with them, and you help people around the country that have a problem. They'll text, and you will then help them by text no matter where you are. And if you really do want to have an impact, what is the best way to approach a politician? You yeah, said actually, it's, go it's, to the office, you said? Well, it's it's funny. that So I, I agree kind of with what I said before as far as kind of the taxonomy or, or level of things that are important. I would say at the bottom of the pyramid, as far as the least impactful thing you can do, is sending a form letter through an advocacy organization. So it's the same text everybody else has sent 100,000 times just with your name attached to it. In a lot of cases, especially at the federal level, that gets filtered out. A notch above that is an actual message that you write yourself digitally and send in through a web form on their website. Uh, and in some cases, above that would be something sent in through Countable because we do a bunch of optimization to make sure that your message is actually seen. Above that would be a physical letter. Above that would be a phone call, which is something you don't need to physically be there for. And above that, we would say a video message. Now, we have tracking in a lot of our messages that are sent to elected reps. So we know exactly when they're opening and when they're not. So when I make these recommendations, they're based on a lot of data, which we feel very confident in saying. So I'd say to the caller, you don't have to be uh, in a metropolitan area to make a huge difference. Consider leveraging tools like Countable uh, to get your message and, heard. And you can find links to Idealist and Countable on our show page at 
wnyc.org slash lopate. My great thanks to the two of you for being on our show. Alex Kautz, Chief Product Officer at Countable, and Amit Dar, Founder and Executive Director of Idealist. It's been a pleasure having you on today's Please Explain. Thank you for us. Thank you very much.